All right, so we're into week three now of this series that we're calling Elephants, basically addressing elephants in the room that we generally don't want to talk about. Thought that we would get into some hot topics during this hot season uh, of the summer. And uh, so far, I feel like we've had really, really productive conversations digging into issues of addiction and mental health. And I feel like as we launch into this, this conversation today, the only question is, what is the elephant in the room when it comes to social media? You know, why would the subject of social media actually be an elephant in the room? Uh, if you're a social media user, you're certainly not alone. 7.6 billion people on the planet, over 3 billion are active on social media. Over 2 billion in Facebook alone and almost uh, a billion in Instagram. And I guess just to be clear, for this conversation today, we are only talking about social media Use. We're not going to talk about, you know, the general kind of internet as a whole. We're not going to talk about technology or, you know, personal devices or phones or texting or texting while driving. We're not going to talk about cyberbullying or pornography or video games. We certainly, I promise you, as the father of teenage boys, we are not talking about Fortnite. Thank God we're not talking about Fortnite. We're not talking about Fortnite. We are only talking about the dynamics and usage of social media. Things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Google+, and stuff like that. And uh, for those of us who are active in those ways, I would say that one of the reasons it's so popular is because it scratches a societal itch. It taps into part of the core of how God has made us as people. And you don't have to look any further than the second chapter of the Bible to see how that works. In the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 2, it says, The Lord God said it's not good for the man, the person I just created, to be alone so I'll make a helper suitable for him. This is where we see God inventing the marriage relationship, I suppose. But in a broader sense, this is where we see God inventing human community. See, we were made for human community. We were made to engage in relationship with each other. And what social media provides is the opportunity for connection. It allows us to connect with the world in really instantaneous and, and, you know, really expansive ways and allows us to connect with each other as well. And I feel like it's that human connection that social media offers that draws so many of us in. And yet I know that for many of us, we would appreciate that there's a shadow side to social media and its impacts as well. And it's kind of that shadow side that we want to take a look at today and uncover what it is that is really the elephant in the room, why there would be an elephant in the room when it comes to social media. So I want us, for starters, to just think about the way that social media makes us engage in this connection with other people. Because in a lot of ways, if you think about it, the, the dynamic of how social media involves us in relating to other people is subtly but significantly different than the way that we're actually made by God to relate. If you're wondering what I would describe as the elephant in the room, I feel like it's this. The elephant in the room is that social media is unnatural. It's unnatural. It, it, it causes us to relate differently and in some sense in the opposite way that God has designed us to experience human relationship. 
We've talked a lot around here that God has made us to experience love. First of all, experience his love in relationship with him, and then to share that love with one another through human relationship. And one of the ways the Bible teaches again and again and again that we can experience that love is described in a passage among other places in Romans chapter 12, when it says this in verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. And that's kind of the ticket there, that the way that God intends for human relationship to experience his love is through an other's orientation. That's where the great commandment would say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, be oriented to them. Or the golden rule would say, do to others as you would have them do unto you, orient to them. It's about an other's orientation where if you think about it, social media demands the exact opposite. Because after initiating our involvement, what it gets us to do, whether it's in a status update or a tweet or post or a photo or picture, it causes us to consider what we might want to voluntarily provide the world from ourselves. Social media kind of causes us, it makes our brains shift and function in a self-oriented way. God's designed us to experience love and share love through others' orientation. Social media, though, demands that we start by being self Oriented And the self-orientation and ultimately the self-promotion of social media is what has now grown into the classic kind of selfie or the more ridiculous selfie stick and just the whole kind of phenomenon of the self-promotional dynamic. And we've got to appreciate that at some level, that dynamic that social media demands of us in order to participate um, kind of works in the exact opposite way that God would intend. Think about it this way. You know, if, you were, if you were learning a new language, you know, what is the very first phrase or, or word that you would learn? You'd learn, say it out loud. You'd learn how to say what? Hello, right? You'd learn how to say hello, bonjour, you know, hola, buenos dias, whatever. You'd learn to say hello. You'd learn a greeting. But in conversational, relational learning of a language, what is the very next phrase you would learn after hello? How are you? Right? Comment ça va? Right? Comment ça? You would immediately learn after that initial greeting how to orient yourself to the other because that's how the natural pattern of relating that God has made us for works. That's how it works to relate naturally. After you're kind of introduced through a greeting to default and orient yourself to the other, where social media works in the exact opposite way, it causes us to have to assert ourselves and how we're doing first and foremost. Now, if that hasn't been weird to you, I would challenge you to try that at the end of this service. When you're grazing through the halls and the lobby at your location, try instead of bumping into people and saying, hey, how are you? Or, hey, how's it going? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How was your week? You know, instead, just launch in after that initial greeting to asserting yourself. Hi there. I'm fine. Uh, I'm doing great. I had an awesome weekend. We were at the beach with our family and, you know, the waves were crashing in. We had this wonderful picnic in the sunset. It was so fantastic. You got to take a look at these pictures I, I took. Take a look. 
Now, you would never do that. It's just fundamentally unnatural in the, in the humanness of our relationships, but somehow it's become natural online. And our social media activity has caused us to become more self-oriented than others-oriented. Bible teaches in Philippians chapter 2 to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who the text goes on to describe, was oriented to others and gave his life to others and lived fundamentally to serve others. Jesus was about others. He wants people, especially people who follow him, to be about others. And yet social media works in the exact opposite way and causes us to be oriented primarily and initially to ourselves. For those of you who think that this is just harmless, who think, hey, uh, I don't understand what the big deal is. We're using words that are pretty harsh here. You know, selfish ambition, vain conceit. I don't know what the big deal is, just sharing what's going on. Don't I need to share what's going on in my life in order to make connection? You know, at some level, absolutely, volunteering information of ourselves is, is important in the dynamic and the free flow of human relationship. I don't think that God intends for us only ever always to be people who only reply and only answer things when asked, right? There's a, a certain degree to which sharing is important. The point, though, before we skip over how harmless this might be, is to really dig in to what our motivations really might be as we're initiating our activity and our posts and our tweets and our photos in social media from that self-oriented starting point. You know, five of the most significant kind of motivations behind social media postings are number one, image crafting, trying to manipulate the way people see you in a certain light. Secondly, narcissism, uh, uh, an overinflation of your belief in yourself. Um, attention craving, kind of the opposite. Insecurity. Uh, jealousy inducing, right? Trying to elicit envy in other people. And loneliness. Think about that if you're taking notes. You know, image crafting, narcissism, attention craving, jealousy inducing, and loneliness. And at the very least, because of the fundamental technical way in which social media demands that we first and foremost orient things to ourselves, I think it merits a bit of a pause and a check-in. And I would encourage you sometime this afternoon or this week to just take some time and kind of look at, if you're active on social media, look at and audit your last month or your last three months or whatever of posts and ask yourself really what is going on behind the motivation for posting the things that you do. Now, if you're honest with yourself, are you really posting just to brag to other people? You know, there's kind of the overt brag, the look at how amazing my life is kind of post. And then there's the inverse. There's what social media calls the, the humble brag, you know, honored to have been named citizen of the year. <laughs> you know, just because you say honored or humbled in front of your brag doesn't make it not a brag. It's still a brag. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you cryptic? in your social media posts? Do you elicit people to have to know more? Or do you share really private things in public so other people want in? Or do you just gush and gush and gush, you know, all of your emotions online so that other people will provide you a greater degree of attention that you seek? You know, are, are a lot of your posts opinions? 
Now that tends to be pretty popular where people out of their own narcissism or their, their, their desire to kind of craft their image, they'll post certain opinions. Is, that's what, is that what's behind, you know, perpetual opinion posting, if that's you? You know, one of the things that's popular, I think, especially for people of faith, is the posting of the quote. Anyone posted one of those quotes, you know, inspirational quote or quote from a famous person or speaker or author or even from the Bible? You know, even posting quotes can be done from a motivation of wanting to kind of craft image or, you know, make people feel like you're enlightened or kind of spiritually superior. Even quoting Bible verses can come from a darker motivation of wanting people to see you in a certain spiritual light. And I just want us to get honest with what it is we're doing when social media forces us to start in a self-oriented way of connecting. You know, Mike Cross once said that the only thing that social media offers is self-promotion. Did you notice? Catch me on that. I quoted somebody because I wanted you to think that I was more enlightened and super spiritual. You probably didn't notice that because I was only quoting Mike Cross. So it really didn't matter. But the, the point is, you know, all social media offers is the promotion of ourselves. And if you're a company or you're a business, or you're a candidate for an election or something, or even if you're a church like ours, and you actually want to promote things, you want to make other people aware of things, then social media is phenomenal because it's just a terrific promotional tool. But for the basics of human relationship, in the desire for community through the connection that social media seeks to provide us, let's just appreciate that it's a self-oriented, self-promotional agent. And it requires us to relate in a lot of ways, in a very unnatural way, in the exact opposite way to the others-oriented way that God would intend us in experiencing the relationships and the human community that he's designed us for. Kind of leads us into the second of what I would feel are the elephants in the room when it comes to social media, either the other side of the elephant or the second elephant or whatever. And that is, in addition to it being unnatural, social media at a technical level requiring of us the opposite of what God intends for us to engage in human relationships. I think that social media to a large degree is just unreal. It's unreal. And because of the way that social media, again, requires us to engage it kind of robs us of the authenticity that we crave in human relationship. Again, God's created us for love and the way that we experience love in human relationship is by bringing our full selves into contact and into relationship with one another. As an example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says to a group of people, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. The point here is to express and experience love in relationship is more than just exchanging information. It's more than just providing content. Even, Paul says, the gospel of God, as important content as that might be. It's about exchanging our lives in sharing our lives with one another. It's the vulnerability and authenticity that allows love to flow. Unfortunately, though, most of us know that social media significantly restricts how much of that 
can flow because of the way that it kind of in its efficiency and in its you know status update or its 140 character or less tweet or in its simplicity of a photo, it kind of causes us to summarize things. Rather than bringing our full selves to the table, we've got to kind of expedite or summarize those into a single social media post. And so as we summarize those in combination with the first dynamic of social media in its drive towards more self-orientation, we tend to select and edit the summary of our lives into the most positive features. And, you know, not even the most positive features, but the kind of only ever always post-worthy kind of last, you know, highest level, most presentable parts of ourselves. And it's not that we're being dishonest for the most part. It's not that we're lying that, that, that these aren't real things in our lives. It's just there's such a small percentage of our whole life that we're leaving the more authentic, vulnerable, raw, real parts of us you know, untapped. And, and, and we're not able to tap into that in other people as well. It causes us to fall victim to what I describe as the iceberg effect. You know, the, the iceberg effect is something that I describe for uh, engaged couples when they're about to get married, you know, that they, that they tap into while they're still dating because I've heard too many couples after they've been married say to me or to other people, you know, this actually isn't the person that I married. I've actually heard newly married couples feel like they were lied to by their new spouse because of the way that they presented themselves in their dating relationship. And I have to say to these couples, hey, you know, this person didn't lie to you, but in a lot of ways, this person that you're married to now isn't the person that you thought you married because the person that you thought you married was the 10% of that person like an iceberg that lives above the waterline. It's the most presentable version of themselves. It's the made up, done up, teeth brushed, you know, hair combed, showered, kind of deodorized person who's on their best behavior, giving you their best attention, who's interested in you opening the car door for you, buying flowers for you, and, and engaged in conversation, in, in, into doing whatever you want. Whatever, you know, everything's a cool idea. And all of a sudden you marry that person and you come exposed to the rest of them, the other 90% that lives under the waterline like an iceberg, and you realize that there's an exhausted person. There's a disinterested person. There's a frustrated person. There's someone with bedhead and bad breath who, you know, wants to sit on the couch and do nothing and isn't as into the ideas that you might have. And all of a sudden you feel like you're, you're exposed to a very different person where in reality you're just exposed to more of the person that you never saw before. That's the iceberg effect. And I don't believe when it comes to social media that the solution is to expose more of us to the iceberg effect and what's under the waterline. I, I don't think that that's necessarily, I, I don't think more posting is the answer. So for those of you who, you know, took a photo of your dinner, you know, when you went out on that date on Friday or Saturday night and you had that gourmet meal and you, you know, took a picture and put it on Facebook or Instagram, I don't think the photo of you kind of digesting and excreting that dinner on Saturday or Sunday morning is necessary online. That's in social media language, what we call TMI, right? That's just too much information. We don't need to, to know that. I don't think the answer is more posting. I think it's just an honesty to appreciate that social media, by the way it causes us to edit and expedite our lives into these really succinct status updates or posts or photos, to appreciate that this is the ultimate addition of the iceberg effect. And more than exposing people to like the, the most 
presentable 10% of our lives. It's more like exposing people to the most presentable, like 0.1% of our lives. And again, it's not that we're being dishonest. It's just that when 99% of the rest of our lives is inaccessible or unexposable through social media, you know, it, it, it's just fundamentally unreal. And it's starting to create some, some dysfunctions in the way that we live and experience relationship. More and more these days, I, I, I'm talking with people who find themselves in crisis, you know, major crisis, hospital, even sometimes life and death level crises. And as they'll share with me because of friendship or because of my position, you know, oftentimes now I'll get the caveat, hey, you know, don't share that with anyone and, and, and don't share this online. They'll send me pictures and say, don't, don't share these with anyone. We're not putting them on Facebook. And I'll think, what's going on here? Why in this network of connectivity that you've established through social media, are you not taking advantage in your time of need of these very people to rally around you and be there for you and know what's going on and be able to, to pray and provide practical supports? What, what, what is so unpresentable about these difficult challenges in your life that you can't draw on the support of other people? Is it because it won't elicit unanimous thumbs up likes? What's going on? Well, what's happening in our society where people are averse to bringing their whole selves to one another in relationship in that way? What's happening in our society when, you know, statistics are now indicating that social media use is starting to contribute to increases in things like depression and social anxiety and you know, eating disorders or issues of body image? There's actually a new social anxiety emerging because of social media uh, called FOMO stands for the fear of missing out. It's almost an addiction to social media to see what's so exciting about other people's lives, knowing that there's not so much excitement going on in yours. And it just causes us to get honest with ourselves and, and, and ask whether, whether we're really looking to social media to, to realize the vision that God has for our human relationships. God wants us to share and experience his love personally and then to share and experience his love in relationships so that, like it says in Acts chapter four, there were no needy persons among them so that we could be there for each other and meeting each other's needs. But the only way that's gonna happen is if we can be vulnerable, authentic with each other. And the only way that's gonna happen is if we bring our whole selves to our lives and relationships. And we need to just appreciate the limitations that social media provides, not only in its other's orientation, but in its editing of our lives and reducing it down to the best, you know, 0.1% of our lives so that when we're scrolling through our social media, we can appreciate that we're looking at other people's, as someone once said, we're looking at other people's highlight reels and comparing it to the ordinariness of our everyday. It's just not real. And we've got to be able to say that out loud. So the question is, you know, as we face this elephant in the room and realize that social media is both in a lot of ways unnatural and unreal compared to the kind of relationships that God wants us to enjoy, understanding that there's a difference between the connection that it offers and the community that God has ultimately created and sent Jesus to enable us to experience with one another. What can we do about this? You know, at a practical level, how can we experience the kind of relationships that God wants to a greater degree? I think if you're taking notes today, I would suggest, you know, any one of three different things, depending on where you're at. I think for starters, if you find that you are struggling 
in your social media activity and your involvement on social media is causing struggle in you or you can be honest and realize that your engagement in social media causes struggle in other people, first things first, there's always the option to stop it. There's always the option to stop it. I'm seeing this in increasing ways these days. People growing beyond social media and I've heard people describe the next generation as being a generation that will move past social media as technologically savvy and hip as it may feel today. That there's something inept about it that it's going to cause people to ditch it and engage in far more real contact life on life. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, it says there, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. This is Jesus talking. He says, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. If you know that your social media activity is causing you to stumble or causing other people to struggle, you can always cut it off and prevent it from robbing more of your life on earth, let alone for all eternity. Now, for some of us, we may not feel like we're struggling with it too much, and that's okay. If you're having fun with it and you're feeling like you're inbounds, engaging with it safely and consciously for what it, it provides, um, by all means, continue to engage in it. But I would say, if that's you, to number two, prioritize genuine community over online connection. Prioritize genuine community over online connection. Romans 12, two says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. One translation of this verse says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. And I would encourage us all, even if we like social media, we feel like you're engaging in it in a healthy way, to do that, to not let the world and not let social media just squeeze us into its own mold. Let's appreciate the difference between connection and community. Let's appreciate that connection is all that social media can provide. And connection, while a means to the end of community, is not the end. Let's focus not on the means, but focus more on the end and make sure that we're investing more of the best of the rest of our lives into the end of experiencing real community through pursuing the real relationships that God has for us. And then number three, and I think that this is relevant for all of us, let's invite others into real relationship as well. Let's invite others into real relationship as well, particularly as it applies to those we rub shoulders outside of a faith community. Look at what it says of first century believers in Acts chapter two. It says, all the believers there were together and had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was something about the way first century followers of Jesus were relating with one another that was contagious and captivating to the watching world and drew others into a faith experience where they could enjoy and experience the life of God as well. And I hope today that as we address the elephant in the room that is social media, we would be aware of the opportunity that we have to share the once in a lifetime amazing experience of the love of God to those that we rub shoulders with all around and how hungry people are for that, not just for the connection that social media provides in our society. Recently, uh, leaders in our church's kids ministry have been being challenged to 
invest in the kids that they lead in our kids' ministry beyond just the program of our Sunday morning uh, experience, beyond just M&S. And uh, there have been a few people uh, that have been taking that seriously, one of which uh, is a young woman from our St. Catharines location named Maddie. And uh, she's just made it her business these last number of months to pour in outside of uh, the Sunday morning experience to pour into the girls that she helps support in her grade five girls small group. The only reason I know this is because one of the people in that grade five girls small group is my daughter Adeline. And so I've had a firsthand uh, front row seat to kind of watch Maddie engage with her and invest in her over the last number of months. It's been absolutely fantastic to see. Well, last weekend, Maddie took Adeline out for breakfast, and when they came back, she was telling me the story that when they uh, were paying the bill and kind of finishing the breakfast, the manager of the restaurant or the owner of the restaurant came up to them and gave them a big hug, which felt awkward at first, and then Maddie kind of asked why, and they said, you know, you're the first people in a long time, they said they couldn't remember the last time when young people came into their restaurant and actually had a face-to-face conversation and weren't just entranced and engulfed with what was going on on their screens. They said, I just, I was overwhelmed. But I just wanted to, to encourage you. I just wanted to give you a hug. It was so good to see. And I hope that we appreciate how hungry people actually are for that these days. I know that my 10-year-old daughter craves loving relationship more than she wants an Instagram account, which we won't let her have until she's 12. I know that. I know that because I crave the genuineness and authenticity of human community more than what can be experienced through the connectivity of living like an avatar. And I know that our watching world is hungry to experience love like never before. And that those of us who track in a life of faith have something incredible to offer the world that we may not even realize these days because we're so kind of trapped up in the, the, the treadmill of a social media life that we forget the gift that we can give the world around us. So let's name the elephant in the room. That social media is both unnatural and unreal to a large degree. Let's slay that dragon and appreciate the difference between connectivity and authentic, deep, loving human community. And let's give the best of the rest of our lives to not only experiencing the wonder of God's love through real relationships, but liberally sharing that with people around us. And let's watch God do incredible things. Every time we see that around here, we summarize God's activity with a phrase. We say friendship makes the difference. Friendship makes the difference. Not Facebook makes the difference. Friendship makes a difference. Let's call the elephant in the room. Let's realize the difference between connection and community. And let's give the best of our, the rest of our lives to pursuing the richness of real relationship so that we can really experience the love that God has for us and really liberally share that love with one another and others who are starving for it and experience the wonder of what God created us for and what he ultimately sent Jesus to rise, to die and rise again to enable. Let's pray together. Oh God in heaven, I just want to thank you for pouring out your love to each of us. To pouring out your love to each of us in the way that you've made us and to pouring out the love that you have for each of us in the way that you sent Jesus for every single one of us. 
to redeem, to restore, to enable us to live the life that you originally created us to live. I pray that we'd be captivated by that vision today, that we'd be honest with ourselves in the ways that our activity online gets in the way of us experiencing that. And that before we even look to one another and look to experiencing a, a richness of relationship to a greater degree, I pray that we would first and foremost look to you and remember your love for us. Remember who you want to be in our lives. Remember how you see us and who we are in you so that we can have the confidence and security to live in that so that we can pursue the richness of human relationships more than settling for the connection that social media provides. God, make us those people. Help us to soak now in response to the love that you have and to our identity that we can, that we can find only in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.